Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. This week, it's over. It's all over. So, what happened? Start to show these boys how we do it. You ready? Higher, further, faster, baby. Yes, Hiya, Frank. Would you like to be a part of history? Yes, I would. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. Tell me a story in any language you want. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. And as 2019 comes to a close, we have time to look back, to reflect, to wonder if any of the promise of January came to anything in December. Last year, you may remember, big was all the rage, with entire cities put on wheels, when half the known universe was blown to smithereens, and the biggest superhero came from Africa. So, did anything change this year? We're in the endgame now. Before we're done, we still have one promise to keep. If we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn sure we'll avenge it. It certainly did. Many people say that everything changed this year. It was certainly the end of the road for several giant franchises, notably the exhausting 20-plus movie arc of the Avengers films. Endgame was journey's end for the series and for several of the lead characters. And another series passes the finishing line this month, too. The Force will be with you. Always. Ending the movie run that opened with A New Hope in 1977, The Force finally ceases to be with Star Wars with the last episode of the saga, The Rise of Skywalker. Toy Story 4 was an endearing postscript to a series that you'd think had already pretty much ended. And I suppose you could say the same for the totally unnecessary Downton Abbey movie. A royal luncheon, a parade and a dinner. I'm going to have to sit down. How's it all going? Mary's got it under control. Hardly. But while some franchises may have jumped, others were clearly pushed by lack of interest in the marketplace. It was billed as the year of the disappointing sequel, with underperforming titles like Rambo, Last Blood, X-Men, Dark Phoenix, Men in Black International and Terminator, Dark Fate. I'll be back. I don't think you will, Sarah Connor. Nothing particularly wrong with many of these films, but their faces simply didn't fit in the year of the big game-changer, Netflix.
the one-time TV streaming service struggled to count as a movie producer until last year, with old fogies like Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese dismissing Netflix's output as TV movies. Well, what a difference a year makes. Scorsese's latest, The Irishman, was produced by Netflix and is likely to earn multiple Oscar nominations. It was like the army. You followed orders. You did the right thing. You got rewarded. The Irishman is certain to be joined by more Netflix titles come awards season, notably Marriage Stories starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver and Eddie Murphy's comeback comedy Dolomite Is My Name. This ain't funny. And it ain't no brothers in it either. If I get up in that light with my own movie, I could be everywhere all at once. Let's bring Dolomite to the screen. Meanwhile, back in the cinemas, the ruling genre, despite Martin Scorsese's well-publicised gripes, is still the comic book superhero movie. Marvel Comics continued to rule the roost with The Avengers Endgame, a masterly wrap-up of several franchises at once, but there were several others. Got to show these boys how we do it. You ready? Higher, further, faster, baby. Yes, The enjoyable Captain Marvel was the studio's first superhero film both starring and directed by women. And there were two very different Spider-Men, the inventive and Oscar-winning Into the Spider-Verse and the more traditional Spider-Man Far From Home. What do you want, Peter? I want to go back on my trip with the girl who I really like and tell her how I feel. MJ, I... am Spider-Man. No, of course I'm not. I mean, it's... Kind of obvious. But longtime rivals DC Comics found a winning, if unexpected, formula by embracing their inner, not too bright teenager. These stories are meant to be comics, aren't they? So films like Aquaman and Shazam ditched the dark and gloomy in favour of the colourful and silly. You have bullet immunity! I'm bulletproof. You're dead. But for fans of DC Comics' traditionally sombre and violent fare, former comedy director Todd Phillips offered Joker, which, despite its name, was generally very little fun at all. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. Blending Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight version of supervillain the Joker with lifts from Martin Scorsese dramas like Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, this was a throwback to the early 70s. Mind you, there was a lot of that about this year. Apollo 11 has very simply been given the mission of carrying men to the moon, landing them there and bringing them safely back. There were documentaries about the moon landing and Aretha Franklin's historic Amazing Grace concert. And Quentin Tarantino had his biggest hit in years, reimagining the end of the hippie dream when the Charles Manson gang murdered movie starlet Sharon Tate. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who, who I got living next door to me? I 
I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Once upon a time in Hollywood allowed Tarantino to have it both ways, to capture the historic moment, only to upend it at the climax and pretend it didn't really happen. I'm not sure what it says about our preoccupation with so-called fake news that this modified version was a huge hit. I'm sorry it's so late. Miss Carl. Oh, please. I'm Judy. I'm very sorry, but your suite has been released. What do you mean, released? Where exactly is it gone? <laughs> Your account was in arrears. Far more accurate was the story of the last year of Judy Garland. Rene Zellweger was a revelation in Judy, playing the ultimate diva and Hollywood casualty. Another obsession of older audiences was dismay at the state of politics today, particularly American politics. Several movies attempted to answer the question, how did we get here? I can handle the more mundane jobs, overseeing bureaucracy, military, energy, and uh, foreign policy. Yeah, right. I like that. Vice, featuring Oscar winner Christian Bale as the blandly sinister Vice President Dick Cheney, was one. But films like Hustlers suggested you get the leaders you deserve. These Wall Street guys. You see what they did to this country? They stole from everybody. Hardworking people lost everything. And not one of these douchebags went to jail. The game is rigged, and it does not reward people who play by the rules. The strippers turned crooks were no different from the thieves running Wall Street, claimed hustlers, and they certainly made a good case. A rare note of optimism this year was the biopic of liberal heroine Judge Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the basis of sex, starring a rather unlikely Felicity Jones. The word woman does not appear even once in the US Constitution. Nor does the word freedom, Your Honor. More wish-fulfillment than practical politics in the States, at any rate, was a rather sweet comedy pairing perennial goofball Seth Rogen with atomic blonde Charlize Theron in the appropriately titled Long Shot. The story of the high-flying politician falling for the apparently lightweight media dude had strange repercussions here. Most embarrassing moment. I don't embarrass that easily. I don't either, really. What's your favourite sexual position? Normal, front-facing normal. <laughs> what kind of question That's is that? That's all it took. Look at you. What, what's your favourite sexual position? Don't be gross, Brad. It's Jacinda and Clark, of course, given an American twist or a Canadian-South African twist if you want to be pedantic. One thing you may have started noticing is how many of this year's films starred women. Oh. Oh, I did not know that. An extraordinary person. They were all staring, weren't they? I can tell even if I can't see, and I heard the word fat, fat, and ugly. No one but me would dare, and I did not. And we're not just talking about award-winning costume dramas like The Favourite or Portrait of a Lady on Fire. We're talking about movie movies. Daisy Ridley leading Star Wars, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, and Nicole Kidman playing Dirty Harriet in Destroyer. I'm mad. I'm still mad. It's burned a circuit in my brain.
But while these films prove women could take on men at their own game, many others, and this year well over a third of the films reviewed had a woman in the lead or sharing the lead equally with a man, seem to indicate they didn't necessarily want to make the old boys and their toys films. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. He broke art rules. Rosa Parks. Name another one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. Picture this. I'm a bag of... Among their non-blockbusters was one of the year's best comedies, Booksmart, featuring stars in the making Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein, and directed by former actor Olivia Wilde. More women directors was another trend this year. I'm not sure how much the studios were persuaded by hashtags like About Time or whether the sisters were simply doing it for themselves. You guys are like lady spies. James former my six. Oh, God. What did you do to Sven? I compressed his carotid and deoxygenated his brainstem. Well, that sounds painful. Don't worry, he's going to wake up. Unless he doesn't. These women-directed films weren't all timeless classics, needless to say. For every Captain Marvel, there was a Charlie's Angels. For every sparkling book smart, there was a crass book club. But the sheer number of these films is noteworthy and admirable, including the nine female Pacific filmmakers who made the New Zealand film Vi. Vi, you could do amazing things for your people, but you need to cut out all these distractions. I know what I'm capable of, but you just won't listen to me. So this is what she learned at that flash university. How to cause trouble. It was a strong year for New Zealand films across the board, including several documentaries on subjects as diverse as former all-black Dan Carter and 80s bands Herbs and The Chills. Easily the most ambitious was Justin Pemberton's film based on Thomas Piketty's daunting Capital in the 21st Century. Money, power, poverty, extreme inequality. There's always been an elite monopolising capital. Actually, if you want to know precisely how we got where we are politically, this is a very good place to start. But Capital in the 21st century's success at the box office here was dwarfed by two less challenging films, including that rare thing, a New Zealand musical, Daffodils. What are the odds that two generations meet exactly the same place? Whenever I fall Part flimsy love story, part solid gold Kiwi hits collection, Daffodils knew its audience and hit it hard at the start of the year. And at the end of the year, a sweet little rural tale called Bellbird gained an audience by giving it that other rare thing in a New Zealand film, a happy ending. How's your dad? He's OK. You two must have some scintillating conversation. Mum used to do the talking for both of us. Bellbird's heartfelt performances, particularly from the wonderful Rachel House, dispelled any threat of the dreaded cinema of unease. But of course it wasn't the biggest Kiwi-made hit of the year. Kids, it's time to burn some books! Yeah! You're growing up too fast. Ten-year-olds shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Hitler. Although very little New Zealand money went into Taika Waititi's eccentric World War II comedy drama Jojo Rabbit, we claimed it for our own and put it at the top of the charts for weeks. 
Taika as Hitler aside, there seemed some attempt this year at cultural sensitivity when it came to casting. I can make you rich. Rich enough to impress a princess. What would I have to do? There's a cave of wonders. Bring me the lamp. From the Disney Studios, Aladdin and The Lion King featured respectively Asian and Afro-American casts mostly without making too much of a big deal of it. And the same goes for Jordan Peele's follow-up to his smash hit, Get Out. They look exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. The fact that the cast of the horror film Us was mostly black was treated as no more important than the fact that the cast of, say, Jaws was mostly white. Another trend this year, apart from so-called colour-blind casting, was something called digital rejuvenation. Hiya, Frank. Would you like to be a part of history? Yes, I would. Big business and the government are working together, trying to pull us apart. Something's got to be done. What else you say? Now's not the time to not say. Martin Scorsese got bragging rights for the process in his film The Irishman, featuring his veteran cast, including Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci and Al Pacino, shedding decades on screen. The effect was startling. De Niro alone varied in age between his 20s and his 90s. But we'd already seen it earlier in the year. Truth be told, I was ready to hang it up till I met you today. So you're not from around here. It's hard to explain. Samuel L. Jackson displayed his younger self to good advantage in Captain Marvel, while Will Smith wrestled with his younger self in Gemini Man. But the most dispiriting example of rejuvenation was the Disney Studios' plodding remakes of all its classic animated hits. What's happening? Where are they taking her? Take Dumbo back inside. But she's his mom. Do something. Dumbo, Mary Poppins, Aladdin, The Lion King. At least Maleficent tried to do something new with the Wicked Fairy from Sleeping Beauty, even if this year's sequel was pretty superfluous. As was the laboured follow-up to Frozen, you'd think. But, as the Disney people obviously say all the time, you can't argue with a hit. You must find the truth. Go to the Enchanted Lands. And into the unknown. Promise me we do this together, okay? I promise. But as women were enthusiastically capitalising on their opportunities, what about the blokes? Do they step up to the plate much this year? Well, aside from the obvious Oscar bait, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman, it doesn't look like it, unless you call John Wick's Three or Hobbs and Shaw stepping up to the plate. If the three of us don't work together... Billions of people will die. Your sister is one of the toughest, baddest, most capable women I've ever encountered. No one could do it better. What kind of girl? I see what you're doing. You think I'm stupid? Of course I think you're stupid. The best thing in Hobbs and Shaw was the former Princess Margaret and the Crown, Vanessa Kirby. But the best things in many of this year's films have tended to be women. People like the unstoppable Jessie Buckley. You're young. 
You're incredibly talented. There is nothing you can't do. Just thinking about your kids, you cast them off when you get a better offer. This is me trying to make something of myself, and surely that's a good thing for them. No letting them down. That would be a good thing for them. It was perfect casting. Jesse Buckley playing Julie Walters' daughter in semi-musical Wild Rose. The same cheek, the same energy and vulnerability, the same inevitable stardom. But Jesse wasn't alone grabbing our attention this year. He's a great dresser. He never looks embarrassing, which is hard for a man. He takes all of my moods steadily. He doesn't make me feel bad about them. He rarely gets defeated, which... I feel like I always do. Female Star of the Year has to be Scarlett Johansson. She first broke the fans' hearts in the Avengers Endgame and then again as Jojo's mum in Jojo Rabbit. And she topped both performances in the divorce drama Marriage Story. I knew Scarlett was good. I'd forgotten she was that good. As far as male stars are concerned this year, though, I'm struggling a bit. You're going to build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. And how long did you tell them that you needed? Two, three hundred years? Christian Bale bookended the year with two brilliant performances, first in Vice and then in top bloke movie of the year, Ford versus Ferrari. But the male Star is Born title should probably go to a man who succeeded without really trying. It's like he won stardom in a raffle. You, again. I'm Tom. Did you follow me here? Are elves always so cynical? Relentlessly, these are dark times. You should come with me, then. Has anyone ever told you there's something slightly serial killery about you? No, never more than once, anyway. <laughs> His name is Henry Golding, the former crazy rich Asian, and now turning up in everything from last Christmas to the next Guy Ritchie gangster pick, The Gentleman. But I have to mention two slightly less high-powered bloke movies. The Ringer. The alarm's in time. Hello? Tell I'm even. One was a brilliant Danish one-set film called The Guilty, mostly featuring a man on a phone in a police call centre. Watching a crime being solved by remote control turns out to be riveting. And the other one was the delightful Tolkien, featuring Nicholas Holt as the original Lord of Lord of the Rings. You invented an entire language? Yes. I made stories. Legends. Tell me a story. In any language you want. As for my favourite women movie, well, that's easy. I've been singing the praises of a little film about the first all-women crew to enter the Whitbread Round the World Challenge all year. The film was called Maiden, and it was an object lesson in how to structure a documentary. This is the first time in my life I had stood up for something I believed in. And the harder it became, the more I wanted to do it. As we were finishing the first leg, I said, is that loads of little birds over there? And we realised it's thousands of people. They were not there for us. <laughs> well, time's up, to coin a phrase, and I've clearly just scratched the surface of a year that may have occasionally stressed diversity over quality, but offered more than enough of both to keep us entertained for much of it. And coming up over the holidays, an intriguing-looking summer programme, typically while we're off the air. 
Someone has to speak up. Someone has to get mad. Fox News star Gretchen Carlson dropped a major bombshell today. What is she doing? This could kill Fox News. We need everyone on Team Roger. Get it on. Put it on. Watch out for Fox News shocker bombshell, Greta Gerwig's Little Women and the gobsmacking 1917, a World War I drama told in one amazing shot. Plus, surely the year's best title, Shaun the Sheep, Farmageddon. I'm Simon Morris and I'm about to take a break from the show until after the holidays. But until then, have a wonderful Christmas and I hope you and I will find some great things to watch at the movies. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.